Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Lucas on Life. Hello and a huge welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. If you regularly tune in on Sunday evenings to join me in my verbal meanderings, well, thank you very much. And if you're not a regular, well, where have you been? Seriously, it's great to join you tonight at the end of a week when we feel like there's a light at the end of Boris's tunnel. And we really hope it's not the light of an oncoming train. Truly, let's celebrate the wonderful work that's been done to develop the vaccines in such record time. And I know we've all got different views about the decisions that have been made over the last year or so. But let's pray for those in leadership, regardless of our political persuasion. It's certainly been a time of uncertainty when we've been forced to ask where our security is. And that's why tonight I want to talk about our security and safety in our Father God. When Jesus taught us to pray, he began with the words, Our Father. It could be said that the alphabet of Christianity begins with F for Father. So that's our theme. Stay with me. More after this. Feeling safe with our Father God. I spend a good chunk of my life attending Christian services and meetings. At least, I used to. In my home church, we have multiple services every weekend. When I'm preaching, I get to share the same sermon four times. The same outline points, the same spontaneous humour, repeatedly. I get the joy of listening and often remark to my wife Kay that I get sick of the sound of my own voice. Smiling, she replies, I completely understand how you feel. I've been in so many times of worship in the last 50 years that, based on my calculations, I reckon that I've sung one rather overused song for the equivalent of no less than three months, and have spent nearly a year of my life with my hands raised in worship. All right, I made those stats up. Itinerant ministry has granted me the privilege of seeing the church in a myriad of tribal variations— I've coughed reverently in the presence of incense-swinging Anglo-Catholics, attempted to dance along with some breathlessly high-spirited charismatics. I was just breathless. And enjoyed a week with some Irish Methodists who didn't drink alcohol being Methodists, but if eating puddings was an Olympic event, they'd have the gold in the bag. I've enjoyed the oompa-pa of brass bands with Australian Salvationists and joined the collective chorus of vibrant gospel churches in London. But out of all of these thousands of services, there is just one that stands out as the most remarkable. It happened nearly 30 years ago, but it was so memorable that decades later, I still meet people who whimsically say, I was there that night. I was the speaker, although I didn't get to say much. It all began when, while walking to the tent where something like a thousand young people were gathered, I heard God whisper to me, Tonight, Jeff, I'm going to teach you a lesson that you'll never, ever forget. Now, that piqued my interest. God doesn't speak to me a lot, at least not in my assessment. I was due to preach on the power of the Holy Spirit and had planned to begin my talk with a simple illustration of fatherhood. 
being safe in the Father's arms. It's the loving Father who gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and when we feel safe and secure with Him, we're more likely to be open to His power. My then two-year-old son Richard would toddle out onto the platform, and I would hold him in my arms for a minute or two while talking about how secure he was with me as his dad. That was it. The worship band played quietly. Then Richard suddenly threw his arms back and for a moment it looked like he was going to punch me, which would have been awkward. The sight of me with a bloodied nose would have somewhat spoiled the illustration of warm father-son affection. But instead, he wrapped his arms tightly around me and buried his head in my neck. It was then that it happened. People suddenly fell to the ground, instantly succumbing to the wave of the Holy Spirit that filled the tent. Others cried out, a response to the sense of unfathomable awe that pervaded. And within minutes, as Richard and I just stood there, a queue of people formed, folks who had been instantly healed at that moment. No one asked them to come forward to the edge of the platform. They just came. I tried to preach without success. I'm not into the God moves so powerfully the sermon was cancelled notion, biblical teaching matters, but that night it was placed on hold. And the lesson I learned, it is, as Jim Packer once said, once again as I mentioned earlier, that the alphabet of Christianity does begin with F for Father. How should we die? Use the Jewish night prayer, into your hands I commend my spirit, but do what Jesus did while on the cross in an action that was revolutionary. Begin the prayer with Father. And for those who have tragically have had a negative, even abusive experience of fatherhood, may you find comfort in the truth that Jesus never said that God is like your dad. Rather, he taught that God is like no father that we've ever known, resting being at peace in his fatherhood doesn't just come naturally to any of us. According to the Bible, the Holy Spirit wants to work in our hearts, enabling us to say Abba and rest in the Father's love. It was a life-altering lesson, yet one that will take eternity to fully learn. He's a good, good father. We were young and foolish, at least that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. A gaggle of fresh-faced Bible college students sharing a six-person dormitory, we were all very passionate about our faith, rather convinced that we had what it took to change the world by next Thursday, which we did not. We got along, mostly, although there was one occasion when two of our number almost got into a fistfight over Calvinism versus Arminianism. Hostilities ceased short of an actual punch-up, although I think that the Calvinist would have triumphed because he felt that everything, including his victory, was eternally predetermined. One of our number had two memorable characteristics. One was a deafening snore. Many nights we were awakened by what sounded like a mud-basking rhino in our room, which caused much frustration and agitation. Those kept awake wrestled with, but thankfully resisted, the temptation to smother him with a pillow. His other trait was a deep-seated fear, a fear that God was going to commission him to be a missionary to some far-flung corner of the globe. He talked endlessly about his worry. His nervousness heightened as each weekly chapel service approached, the likely zone for a calling from God to land, and if the chapel speaker was a missionary, his fear factor shot through the roof. 
He talked about his phobia a great deal, and so one night, when his snoring sounded like a Harley Davidson revving up in our room, we decided to play a little trick. He was in deep sleep as we gathered around his bed. For about ten minutes, the five of us whispered the same sentence over and over, Go to the mission field. Go to the mission field. Our hope was that the repetition would seep into his subconsciousness and we were not disappointed. The next morning, the words having penetrated his head while sleeping, he was in a panic meltdown. Guys, last night I heard voices speaking to me. I think the calling is actually happening. This is terrible. We stayed silent and let him suffer, which was rude and wrong. Payback for our insomnia, though. You might think that our little joke was rather cruel, but then you didn't have to share a room with a large revving motorcycle. Our roommate's concerns point to a very real problem. How many Christians say that we love God, but when offering our lives to him makes us feel continually uneasy and on edge, we have to ask, are we really secure in him? It certainly felt like that for me in my early days as a follower of Christ. Someone remarked that the will of God was probably the opposite of what we might want to do, an idea that portrays God as one who delights in dreaming up nasty little plans for us that we would find unpalatable. This concerned me greatly, as I was going out with a very attractive young lady whom I loved. If God's will for me was not what I wanted, then did the Lord want me to abandon her? This warped thinking nearly cost me the relationship that has led to a 42-year marriage decay. Some Christians are insecure about their salvation and worry that when they finally get to meet God face to face in heaven, they'll be met with a glare rather than a smile. Instead of being at peace in the knowledge of the Father's grace and forgiveness, they feel the need to pay for their sins daily with good works. It's hard to be at rest when your view of God is a hard-to-please, maybe impossible-to-please taskmaster. The Father may well call us to do the difficult, the awkward, or even, as our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church know all too well, follow a pathway that leads to prison or death. We're certainly not promised an easy ride. But let's know that, whatever we're called to, we are utterly loved by this Father God, totally secure in Him, and that what He does for and with us is rooted in His stunning kindness and grace. What about that snoring, reluctant missionary from our dormitory? Despite his calling coming from a giggling, whispering group around his bedside, he has served with distinction and success as a missionary for the last 40 years, planting many churches and opening schools in remote areas. No, I'm just kidding. We told him about the trick that we played on him later that day. He never did get a missionary calling. But this much is true. The Father's love for us is perfect, and we are invited to rest easy in that love. And that's a calling that's very, very real. Being safe and secure in the Father's love it's what God wants for all of us. Jesus told that best-known story of his, the parable of the prodigal son. At least, that's what we call it. In a sense, it's really mainly about the elder brother and his reaction to the grace of the father. But there is a very beautiful picture in that story, surely of Father God. We read there 
that the father saw his son when he was a long way off. He was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. It's a beautiful picture, but it's also a shocking picture. In fact, the Arabic translation of that verse for a thousand years simply says, he went to his son. Now, why is that? It's because in that culture, it was considered to be extremely undignified, even shocking for a man to run. And it was also awkward as well because they wore, they wore long robes, which culturally they could not lift the hem of those robes. That would have been even more shocking. So why in the story of the prodigal son is the father running? And why when he meets his son, does he say, quick, He's in haste, wanting to celebrate his return. Well, that's because in that culture, if a young man disgraced his family, the whole village would gather for a ceremony. It was called the Kazaza ceremony. They would rebuke the returning boy and then tell him that he was dead to them. No longer could he ever have a place in the family or in the village again. So why does the father run? Well, he does that because he wants to win the race of grace. Grace beats judgment every time when it comes to Father God. So this week, with all of the insecurity that there still is around us, if you're a follower of Jesus, rest easy in the Father's love. In a changing world, that for sure is never going to change. By the way, my new book, Singing in Babylon, Finding Purpose in Life's Second Choices, it's all about the story of Daniel, and it's just recently been released. Not only that, but a lot of churches and small groups are using it in something called The Big Church Read. And you can go online to thebigchurchread.org.uk and find out more about that. See you next time. Lucas on Life.